Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, February 28th. A bit of a quicker week of tennis this week. It feels like the scheduling in Dubai, in Doha, in Acapulco has our quarterfinal matches already done. Uh, it's still, I believe, in uh where are they? Santiago, Chile, where they'll have the quarterfinal actions played on uh, Friday. But it's a semifinal Friday. It's rare that we get to see that. A lot of fun results on Thursday to set up these semifinal matches. And that's what we're going to talk about on today's podcast. The reason we are able to do so, of course, due to our friends at Diadem Sports. Diadem helping tennis players everywhere elevate their games by designing the most innovative performance tennis gear on the planet. You know the deal by now. Uh, Their Elevate Racket, their Nova 100, developed with your performance in mind. Each of their rackets carefully crafted for a specific type of playing style, whether your game commands power and explosiveness or precision and control. They'll have the best option to help you take your game to the next level. And look, if you use our promo code CR50, 50% off your diadem gear. It's, you know, from rackets and strings all the way through to some really nice hoodies. You want to look good on the court as well. Look good, feel good, play good. And you will certainly be looking your best, feeling your best, and playing your best if you go with our friends at Diadem Sports. So right now, go to their website, diademsports.com. Use that promo code CR50. Get yourself in the right tennis playing gear. Like so many of these players on tour who we see bring their best stuff week in, week out. And that really is the crazy part of this tennis world. You can win three matches, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever days you're scheduled to play. And then you lose on Friday, and you're not going to come home with the title, and you can feel as good as you want about your week. But there's still only one winner at the end of each tennis tournament. That is why it's such a cutthroat sport. It's why it's such an intriguing thing. And I think it's why so many of us in the tennis world uh, are attracted to it as fans uh, and it's we've set up a really fun semifinal Saturday as we have all, semifinal Friday excuse me as we have all week let's start in Acapulco because we both have the men and the women there it's also the reason why we've had to record these podcasts in the morning because that action goes till 1 2 a.m as it did last night and that's because there are a bunch of fun matches let's start on the men's side only one three setter and Anytime John Isner's involved in a match, then it's rare that it's going to exceed two hours. Of course, he played that match with Mahout in Wimbledon, but that's the exception, not the rule. Uh, here he matched up against fellow American Tommy Paul, two guys here. Well, I guess Isner did go to Georgia. Tommy Paul was committed there, but they know each other's games well. They're both from North Carolina. Both uh, have spent time training together in the past. Uh, it's what you expected for John Isner in that first set. Neither guy broken on serve. Tommy Paul, I 
I believe, saved the one break point chance Isner had. Isner didn't face any break points. Your standard tiebreaker in the end, Isner uh, got a couple of looks at Tommy Paul's serves in that first set breaker, was able to hit big inside-in forehand returns, play big on those points. He takes it 7-3, a couple mini breaks there. Uh, But this was a really good serving performance for Tommy Paul once again, only broken twice um, in this match. Now, ultimately, you know, two breaks of serve. Uh, they both came in that third set. That was enough for Isner, but he saved three of the five break points uh, he faced for Isner. He saved three of four. Tommy Paul made 67% of his first serves, won 65% of those points, 61% of his second serve points. But I mean, for John Isner, it's just the relentless aggression. You know the big first serves coming. Isner made 75% of his first serves, won 82% of those points, 50, 50% of his second serve points. I mean, Tommy Paul did create four break chances, converted the one he needed in that second set, but just, it, it was tough. I mean, Isner just one of those days when it was tough to get clean looks. I thought Tommy did return well. I thought his legs looked a little bit dead towards the end of that uh, third set, and I mean, Tommy Paul played two qualifying matches just to get into this event. The big win over Alex Virov yesterday, obviously that uh, gets the job. Uh, that that will drain you, uh, certainly, and I know it was a straight set win, but for Tommy Paul, uh, just to get to the quarterfinals here, great result for him. We mentioned it yesterday, even with the loss. He's still at a career high in the ranking right now. Tommy Paul sitting uh, all the way inside the top 60 now at number 57. That's a great position for him to be in. Uh, for John Isner, who's got big Miami finals points to defend coming up uh, with this result, he'll stay right near that top 20. He's at number 21 in the live rankings. That's critical for him because you lose those Masters points. He was injured for a lot of last year. Doesn't have a lot of points to defend through the clay season, but you're never going to associate John Isner with clay. So good result for him to get a win here. Uh, that was the, the big uh, All-American matchup in terms of another really fun one I got to watch. Grigor Dimitrov, sensational performance last night to knock off Stan Wawrinka, 6-4, 6-4. I mean, for Dimitrov, you know, made 76% of his first serves, won 72% of those first serve points. He just did everything well last night. He was just rock solid from the baseline. He showed off his incredible athleticism, just covering every Stan Wawrinka backhand down the line, every ripped angle one-handed backhand from Stan. And even if Dimitrov was just slicing his own one-handed backhand back as a response, he used his physicality to to distinguish himself, to uh, separate himself from Stan in this one, who with made 60% of his first serves, won 72% of those first serve points, but 7 of 21 on second serve for Stan. I think he only made something like 50% of his first serves in that first set. I mean, it's just what... There were a lot of unforced errors, and I don't have the count on the ATP website, but I know I think Stan was in the 30s last night in terms of the unforced errors. He had a lot of looks at approach shots, at put-away balls, and he just, because of the pressure Dimitrov was putting on him with his movement, Stan, you could tell, felt the need to do a little bit extra with that shot, and unfortunately for him, uh, it was just, he did too much, and he, he drew too many unforced errors, Dimitrov able to scrap by and survive, I mean, Dimitrov played great tennis himself, was able to turn defense to offense attack like he so often is able to do, uh, for, he saved three of the four break points he faced, was three of six on break point chances himself, it was a really efficient performance for Grigor Dimitrov, who you look at in the live rankings, now he's up to number 19 uh, with this win. So he's back inside the top 20, uh, which given where he had dropped off to last year, that's a really you know sharp 
really good performance for Grigor through the U.S. Open. Just strong start for him, and you know he's back inside the top 20. That's exactly where you want to be heading into the Sunshine Duo, particularly because he does not have many points to defend after the struggles he dealt dealt with last year. So it's all a bonus. Oh, well, it's not a bonus. You have to defend it the year after. Sure, it's all in part of the year grind. But you, you understand what I'm saying. He can approach this season without the pressure, the burden of knowing, hey, I need to repeat these results. Otherwise, my ranking's going to drop. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. It's everything you get. It just is a bonus for your ranking as well. So really good result from Grigor now, and obviously he's going to have quite the test uh, in the semifinal as he's going to take on Rafael Nadal. Nadal not as dominant as that three and uh, as that six one six uh, six two six one was it uh, six two six one over Sun Wukwan uh, scoreline may indicate, and that's not to say Nadal wasn't exceptional. He was, but. Sun Wukong played a fantastic match, and I know, you know, 6-2, that sounds like a blowout. These weren't Quan love 40 games, right? For Quan, he only made 53% of his first serves, and that's never going to cut it, but was 15 of 25 on those points. Did have eight break chances on the Rafa Nadal serve, and Nadal just happened to save all, all eight of those chances. And, you know, Quan is really solid from the baseline. He's a little bit smaller. Uh, then, you know, these next-gen guys you see nowadays, Kwon right now, uh, the 22-year-old South Korean, 5'11", but he's just really solid off of both wings. He takes balls early. He redirects well. He's a phenomenal player, um, and with his result, even though he loses here in the quarterfinal, I believe, as I mentioned, his third or fourth straight quarterfinal result in this uh, winter hardcourt season. Is it winter hardcore? The early part, early hardcore season, not winter. That I suppose we'll save that for later. But new career high for him, number 69 in the rankings, cracking the top 70. He's in striking distance, and the good news for him, he'll get to play the entire clay season on the ATP uh, 250 or higher level. He'll have a chance to really accumulate points. We'll see how he acclimates himself to the surface. But for Rafa, I mean, he's rolling. The serve plus one just looks exceptional. I mean, yeah, it, it, the forehand is good. I was having this conversation with Jamie McDonald yesterday on the phone, uh, our mini break co-host here at Cracked Rackets. And in terms of the most underrated shots out there on tour right now, and you can go with a lot of different options. I mean, it really depends on the t- player. If a player is underrated, hypothetically, you could say all of his game is underrated. Uh, I'm trying to think of good examples. You know, I would say the most underrated part of Roger Federer's game is his chip backhand return, right? The fact that he has a one-handed backhand, every player is going to serve at it, and he has just perfected that slice, dying, neutralize the point backhand return. That's probably the most underrated aspect of his game. Rafa Nadal's backhand, and it's hard to say anything for Rafa's underrated, but it might be a top three backhand on tour. The just the control he has over the stroke, he can elevate the ball and go down the line to buy himself time. When he wants to turn into it and go cross court, he can do that. He can rip the short angle as well. He can throw in slice. It's phenomenal, and I mean, Rafa's gotten better at the net as well. I mean, all of these guys are just sensational. I mean, uh, these big three, you know, Nadal, Djokovic, and right now I'm watching Novak Djokovic's semifinal in Dubai as I'm recording this against Gael Monfils, and boy, is that a fun match. We may have to do an emergency pod after this, uh, so maybe expect that for your commute home as well. Uh, But Rafa keeps rolling, and that's going to be a really fun match between he and Dimitrov. You look at their career head-to-head, as you can imagine, Rafa the lefty, Dimitrov the one-handed backhand. Uh, It's been all Nadal thus far in their careers. Nadal 12-1 against Grigor. Grigor's one win. On an outdoor hard court in Beijing, 
2016. Now it's crazy that we're how much later we are in that sequence uh, in their careers. And again, it's a dominant Nadal head-to-head, but that'll be a fun one. Our last winner, Taylor Fritz, sloppy match altogether, but six four six three four him over Kyle Edmund. He'll advance to his first 500 uh, level event semifinal. And in the live rankings now, Taylor Fritz up to number 27. That's two off his career high of number 25. He did not have the best sunshine swing last year. So for him, uh, he's in a really good position entering the end of this hard court season as well. And it's cool that he'll get to get into, you know, all the Masters events. He's never going to have to worry about that in the near future, at least through that grass portion of the year. And then he's got a title to defend. Uh, But that'll be its own monster. Great performance here for Taylor Fritz, who, you know, the slower the hard court, these courts seem to be playing pretty slow. That's always a good result for him. So way to go, Taylor. And that's a fun setup of semi finals on the men's side on the women's side what what a tale I don't think any of our players left in the draw are currently inside the top 100 you look at our winners from yesterday I mean just a a really fun slate let's start with the young Canadian Layla Fernandez um who with this seven six, uh, excuse me, with this six three seven five win, you look at where she sits now in the live rankings. Fernandez, all the way up to number one thirty nine. She's seventeen years old, folks, and I mean the lefty, the power she displays, the the variety. I mean, it's really really special stuff. And you look at the stats from this match for Layla Fernandez, dominant performance with the first serve. It's a weapon. It's clear that's going to be the the stroke she can use to dictate and play plus one tennis especially early on uh, you know early on in her career until she physically because physically she is still 17 years old and you can tell at times but especially with the second serve but made 62 percent of those first serves won 76 percent of those points uh, created seven break chances for herself and converted four of them I mean she just dictated the entire time and it's really uh, you know the la- the fact that she's a lefty that you can already think that differentiates her from all of the other talented young players we've seen already break through the Andrescu's and Osai. You know only Van Drusseva is the only lefty of the young guns I can think to- of that pops immediately into my mind. Uh, but Leila Fernandez has the chops, and I believe she's a junior French Open champion. So that she and she's still uh, restricted because of the age limits. She's under eighteen, and we don't have to litigate that right now. But She's going to have chances during the clay court uh, portion of the year, and you know certainly I think she's going to be able to take advantage of those chances and the semifinal performance here, uh, just stellar uh, from her. And again, another great performance over uh, Potapova uh, to advance to that semifinal. In terms of other results, Renata Zarazua, she is the story of this uh, Acapulco event on the women's side. She comes into this event outside the WTA Top 250 Beats Sloane Stevens in match number one. Comes up back from a set and a breakdown to beat Katie Volleynets in her next match. Here, uh, she knocks off uh, Zidanezic six two three six six two, and just watching the joy in her face, watching this Mexican crowd embrace their hometown player. I mean, what a performance from uh, Zarazua, who again now. It's inside the top 200. Her ranking has jumped 82 places this week, folks. Uh, and she's 22 years old. I mean, she does so many things that are so interesting on the court. She plays big, but she uh, also can change direction so well. Here, uh, you look at her serving performance in this match. Zarazua uh, makes 79% of her first serves, won 69% of those points, 69% of her second serve points as well. 
She's playing big. She's playing loose. She's playing confident. And you could tell it didn't matter that she dropped that second set. She kept attacking on the second serve. And the second serve return might be the most important shot in the world, uh, in the women's game. If you haven't, uh, you know, if you can't tell, that's a theme we often hit on here on these mini break podcasts. I mean, Zarzua went after the Zidancic second serve. Zidancic, 8 of 17 on those points. She only won 58% of her first serve points. Zarzua able to create eight break chances for herself, convert five of them. Zidancic, two of three on break points, which is pretty efficient. Just not going to work when your opponent's breaking you five times. Phenomenal performance against Zarzua. And then our last quarterfinal winner, uh, Xi Wang, taking out uh, Zhu, uh, Lin Zhu, our number six seed, six two six two. So really fun slate of matches on the women's side. It sets up a semifinal Friday, alternating women then men. Uh, so ladies first, of course, in Acapulco. It'll start at four p.m. Heather Watson, uh, who was also a winner yesterday in three sets over Christina McHale, going to take on Shi Wang. Then that Fritz Isner match, Sarazua versus Layla Fernandez. It's a shame we, that one of their runs has to come to an end before the final. And then the nightcap, not before 10 p.m., and honestly, given the hour of day Rafa's been playing at, I don't know if any of his matches have even started before midnight on the East Coast. He's probably fine to not be before 10. He gets to sleep until 1, 2 p.m. As if needed, uh, and well-deserved. He's going to play Grigor Dimitrov in the nightcap. That's going to be a really fun day of action in Acapulco. And- Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. As we mentioned all week, it's not just Acapulco. We've had uh, two other phenomenal events in the Middle East this week. We'll start uh, with the women in Doha because as Acapulco showed us, we always got to go ladies first. Um, we had a really fun quarterfinal slate of action, and I keep emphasizing this for you folks because timing-wise, if you're in the United States, as most of our audience, I believe, is, uh, it's hard to watch these matches from, you know, they start 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m., whatever it is. You're at the work. You're at work or you're at school or you're doing whatever it is you do during your mornings. Maybe you're sleeping. Uh, hopefully you're sleeping if you're uh, of the right. You know, who doesn't want to sleep until 10 a.m., 11 a.m.? Uh, but it's hard to watch these matches. And thankfully, our friends at the WTA, the best in the business of producing highlights of each of these matches. A little eight minutes. I mean, you're going to get all of the good stuff you want to see uh, for any of these matches in case you didn't get to see them. And it was a phenomenal slate of quarterfinal matches from top to bottom. Let's start with the headline result. Number one player in the world, Ashley Barty. A three-set winner over Australian Open finalist Garbin Muguruza. 6-1, I'm telling you, folks, there is not a more complete player in the women's game and this sounds obvious because she is the number one player in the world but with all the young talents Andrescu, Benchich, Kennan, and Osaka and I mean any of them any of the young talents on the out there none of them have a more complete game than Ashley Barty and I asked this question on Twitter because I'm curious what your uh what our listeners thoughts are as well in terms of what the best part of her game is it's not the movement 
It's not the variety. It's not that she's comfortable at the net, that she can turn defense to offense so efficiently. It's all of the above. Just with Ashley Barty, she has so many different ways of hurting you. Of course, she's so comfortable slicing her backhand as well. At the same time, she's gotten a lot better at hitting through it, using the two-hander, playing big with that shot. Garbine Muguruza in the second set in particular started to pick on that backhand side, started to go after it exclusively, say, uh uh no more forehands for you, Ashley, because Barty's got such a wide variety of uh, things she can do with her backhand. Um, but, you know, for Ashley Barty, it, it was a, a great performance. And I thought Muguruza, especially in that second set, she understood, look, I, I have to play more aggressively. I have to go big with my second serve return or even my first serve return because if I don't, Ashley Barty's going to get a first forehand and then I'm running around corner, 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 corner. And, you know, for Barty, 60% of her first serves go in. She made 175% of those points. But because Muguruza was willing to attack, 17 of 38 for Barty on the second serve now, for Garbine Muguruza, she did a great job making her first serve. But Ashley Barty's uh, just, again, all of her skills shown off once again. Muguruza only wins 59% of her first serve points, 44% of her second serve points. For Barty, she's able to save seven of the nine break points she faced for Muguruza. She was able to save five, but five of 11. Uh, so this is a really good match. You know, Garbi and Muguruza, despite the two lopsided sets, had plenty of chances in each of them to get the breaks back. But Ashley Barty, just a well-rounded performance. And for Garbi and Muguruza, it's a great start, by the way, to her 2020 season. You talk about players who have made jumps. Muguruza right now back into the top 15. She's at number 15 at the end of this week. Ashley Barty's going to stay at number one, obviously, and well-deserved. But really fun match between two of the best players, certainly. Um, in the women's game right now. Uh, it just got better and better from there, folks. The next match on court was Petra Kvitova, who knocks off, not hometown favorite, but uh, certainly regional favorite, Own Jabour, 7-6-7-6. In what was a battle? I mean, Jabour broke Kvitova at 5-all after being up. I think Jabour was up a break for a lot of that second set. Kvitova ended up roaring back to get it to 5-all. Uh, Jabour gets the break 4-6-5, ends up having an opportunity to serve for that second set. But, man, did Patrick Kvitova play big. And you have to play big because Own Jabour with her hands, with just the variety she can attack you with, she can do so many different things well on the court. And she did, you know, on the run passing shots and little drop shots and coming to the net. And just I think she hit an, an overhead at one point that hit her frame, bounced on the other side of the court, on Kvitova's side of the court, then came back to Jabour's. I mean, that's the sort of special stuff, you know, that shows off even when that's how you know things are working for you if you're on Shabur. But Kvitova just backhand down the line or forehand down the line. She never went more than three balls to, uh, in the same direction in a row. And it was, it was fantastic, just level from Petra Kvitova showing off why she's reached as high uh, as number two, I believe. I don't think she's ever been number one. I think Kvitova, yeah, reached as high as number two in the world, but why she's obviously a multi-time Grand Slam champion, and with this result, she's back up to number 11 uh, in the live rankings, which is a really good result for her. Uh, so that's that's going to be a really fun uh, matchup as well, and uh, now I think Kvitova and Barty going to face off in that semifinal, but it's a really good result for Own Shapur, who, again, with her continued success, she's up to a new career high of number 39 in the live rankings. That's the highest a Middle Eastern player has ever been ranked 
undeservedly so because she's just been spectacular at the start of this season. The other two results, uh, Kuznetsova, 6-4, 6-4 over Benchich. That was a funky match, folks. Uh, Kuznetsova gets that late break of serve in that second set, or in that first set, and then early break of second set that she just holds on to. She's had, Benchich was too happy playing down the middle. Kuznetsova did the better job finding the outer thirds. Uh, and then Sabalenka, the number nine seed, three six seven six six three, uh, to advance to the semifinals. You know what a Sabalenka match looks like when she's hitting big, playing confidently. She can just blow any opponent off the court. So a really good level from her thus far. And for Sabalenka now, she's sitting uh, at number eleven, uh, number twelve in the live rankings with a win to advance to the finals. Or number fourteen, excuse me. The win will get her back up to number twelve. Uh, and then after that, I, I think she even if she wins the tournament. I don't think she can advance higher than number 10, but uh, that would not be her career high, but obviously really good start to her season. And then in those semifinals, I mentioned it's Kvitova-Bardi. Uh, it's going to be Kuznetsova taking on Sabalenka. I think those matches might have actually finished as I'm recording this, but we'll save those for tomorrow uh, tomorrow nights and for our weekend pods, which you can listen to if you become a Patreon subscriber. That's the action on the women's tour. Still two more ATP events to run through real quickly in Doha, or excuse me, in Dubai. Um, look, good, good set of results. Only one three-set match. It was a really fun match between Stefano Tsitsipas and Jan Leonard Struff. Struff getting the break of Tsitsipas in a spectacular stretch volley uh, in that 5-4 game in the first set. But to Tsitsipas' credit, he came right back out and broke Struff to start set number two. Uh, and then in that third set was a battle. Two guys who served big, played big. Uh, the difference being Tsitsipas made 64% of his first serve. Struff made 50%. Seriously, with the margins being as thin as they were, Tsitsipas saved six of the seven break points he faced. Uh, Struff saved six of the eight. I mean, that one break of extra break of serve made all of the difference in the world. So credit to Stefano Tsitsipas. He won last week. His level has translated this week outdoors. He's played big. He's played aggressive. He played a little bit of defense. I mean, go check out a thread from Matt Willis on Twitter, at Matt Rackett, because he talks about how the, the one-handed backhand return for Tsitsipas significantly improved uh, in between, because I think Struff beat Tsitsipas in Cincinnati, uh, and Tsitsipas was just not making I think he made like 29% or something of his second serve return. Of his backhand returns here, it was like 44% or just way more effective on those points. He won, excuse me, not made uh, on those backhand return points. And yeah, CeeDee just looks more comfortable that he's showed this level two weeks in a row. Uh, it's a testament to uh, his continued improvement. It's why so many people think so highly of him moving forward. He's going to play Dan Evans. Uh, Evans knocking off Andre Rublev 6-2-7-6. Uh, Evans served for that match at 5-4 in the second set, but Rublev ultimately uh, did a really good job of breaking back. Evans played a loose game, but but the thing is, and again, I think someone said this on tennis Twitter, but it was evident when watching the match. Rublev has one speed, and it's go big, play big, go after my balls, go big down the line, use my forehand as often as possible. Evans has multiple gears, the slice, the short angles, the top spin, I mean, the various spins, the, the drives. He can, he can just do a little bit of everything, and I think that variety frustrated Rublev. I just think Rublev tried to attack him in one way, and it just didn't work. I mean, uh, Evans did a great job of keeping Rublev off balance. So really good result for him. And Tsitsipas, Evans, that'll be a fun match. Two one-handed backhands. Definitely leaning Tsitsipas, but who knows? Dan Evans, uh, given just how well he's played uh, these past couple, uh, this past, even this whole start to the season, uh, it, it should be a really fun one. And then 
Uh, on the top half, Novak Djokovic, 2-2 two and two over Karen Kiachnov. Don't even need to talk about that one. Djokovic was whipping out the drop shot because that's just how confident he is right now. Uh, and then Gael Monfils wins the battle between of the Frenchmen, 6-3, 6-3, over Richard Gasquet. That's going to be a really fun semifinal encounter, I should say. It just happened as I'm recording this, and we may have to do a little bonus pod, as I mentioned, because it was that good of a result. Uh, so... That is, um, th- that's the action in Dubai, the last one on the ATP Tour level in Santiago. They have the quarterfinals set uh, as the second half of the round of 16 went yesterday. Only one three-set match, but what an absolute battle. Christian Guerin, who's won his only two clay tournaments in 2020 thus far, his last two, I should say, as well. Uh, he looks worn down. He looks out and you know that in that second set he wins the first set 6-2 against Alejandro Davidovich Fokina uh loses that second with a bagel 6-0 Davidovich Fokina and just he struggled physically you could just tell he was worn down but he did everything he could to survive and that's when you begin to separate the good players from people who are just playing well and Christian Guerin survived in this match against Davidovich Fokini he served for the the match in the third set up 5-4 Davidovich Fokini was able to break back had all the momentum going into that tiebreaker and then Christian Guerin just a little bit too good down the stretch uh, 7-4 in that breaker for Guerin not the best serving performance only made 59% of his first serves won 57% of those points 42% of his second serve points faced 13 break points on the day and lost seven of them uh, but for him, he was 6 of 7 on break points. Davidovich Fokina, 10 of 29 on second serve points when Garen took the advantage, took the aggressive position. Uh, I mean, there's just nothing Davidovich Fokina could do today. Really good performance from the young Spaniard, Davidovich Fokina, who with this result, you look at where he's at in the live rankings right now. Uh, Davidovich Fokina going to be sitting at number 96 inside the top 100, which is a good place to be uh, when you're 20 years old for Christian Garen. I mean, it just keeps rolling up to a new career high again of number 18 this week. Uh, He's rocking and rolling, folks. He looks really good, at least on the dirt. It's going to be interesting to see how he readjusts as, you know, in the week off. I don't think there are any ATP events next week between uh, these events and Indian Wells, so it will be fun to watch him acclimate himself back to the surface. Uh, Between that, Albert Ramos Finoles, 7662 over Juan Pablo Varias. Tiago Sebeville, the young Brazilian, really impressive 7664 win over Juan Ignacio Landero, the number five seed for uh, Ville. Do you look at where he's at right now? New career high, number 166 for the 19 year old. So he's in striking range, folks, and more importantly, he's going to get into qualies for each and every of the Grand Slams, it looks like this year. The last winner. Diego Monteiro, 6-1-6-4 over Roberto Carbeja-Bena. That sets up today's quarterfinal action. Rude, Casper Rude taking on Federico Delbonis. Monteiro versus Ramos Vanola's Renzo Olivo against Hugo Delian. And then the nightcap, Christian Guerin going to have to beat another youngster uh, as he takes on Diego Sabathville. That should be a really fun match. That's all of the ATP and WTA 250 uh, and WTA up and higher level. Real quick on the challenger note, uh, just because, come on, we got to talk a little challengers. Is, is this a mini break or not? Um, but you, you look at uh, the results in Calgary. You look at the results in uh, Columbus. College guys still doing well. Arthur Rinderneck, Max Cressy played in the final last week. They both make the quarterfinals again this week. Rinderneck, 6'7", 6'3", 7'6", over another former college collegiate All-American, Baylor's Julian Lenz Cressy, 6041 retirement victory over Florida State's Aziz Dugas. Those are the two college guys to advance to the quarterfinals there. We should also say 
the young uh, Polish player Kasper Zuzuk, who knocked out Vashik Pospisil, gets another good win, 7-6-6-4 over J.C. Aragoni uh, to advance to the quarterfinals himself. Tough loss, by the way, for Braden Schnur, who we recently had on our Cracked Interviews podcast, 7-6-6-3 loss to Tobias Kamka, got broken in that 4-3 game, um, was the only break of serve in the match in Columbus. Of course, it's Columbus, so you have a couple of Buckeyes getting ready to play in another challenger semifinal there. It's the same two it always is, folks. J.J. Wolf, Mikhail Torpegard, both advancing to the quarterfinals. They just know those courts so well. I mean, for J.J., 6-2, over USC's Roberto Quiroz. Torpegard was down and out after blowing that second set lead he had, but he bounces back 7-6-4-6-6-4 to win as well. Both of those guys in the career highs in the rankings, and they're right near each other as well. JJ up to a new career high, number 159. Excuse me, Torpegard at number 174 off his career high, but with a win today, he will exceed that number. So good time to be a Buckeye fan. The other uh, collegiate player joining them in the quarterfinals, Alex Vukic, 7-6-3-6-7-6 over in his all-collegiate battle against USC's Emilio Gomez. Also worth noting, Yuri uh, Rodionov, the very talented young Austrian player, into another quarterfinal himself after he took a three-set win over Chris O'Connell Rodionov, number 160 right now uh, in the live ranking. So really good start to the 20-year-old Austrian season as well. He's just looked so good on the indoor hardcore challenger uh, circuit. It's going to be a really fun weekend, folks. Again, I know we're a day ahead in Dubai, in Doha, in Acapulco, where things usually stand. But we still will have Challenger action. We'll still have Santiago Finals on Sunday to enjoy. And, of course, if you've missed any of the action from this week, be sure to check out our website, CrackedRackets.com. Mini breaks all week long, keeping you up to date on the day-to-day events. But we've had some fun pieces on our website this week. I got the chance to do a deep dive on Francis Tiafa, where his game stands and you know what things he needs to or what he'll be looking to change to flip the script to get back inside the ATP Top 50 rankings himself to get back to where he knows uh, he can be in in terms of where he's at right now rankings-wise in his young career. Also uh, have had the chance to, again, really fun crack interview with uh, Diadem Sports co-founder AJ Bartlett to talk about all the things going on at Diadem. We bring them up a ton, and I'm sure you listeners are now curious there, hopefully, you're curious about what's going on there, why we are so trusting of them, what we think we're, it's going to be such a fun partnership for us moving forward because they're racking and string technology. Seriously, folks, it's all incredible. And beyond all of that, you'll get a beautiful hoodie out of it. So be sure to go give them the, uh, some support. Uh, we certainly are so grateful for their support for us. And, of course, use that promo code CR50 at their website, diademsports.com. Uh, for the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets. I'm tweeting all day at my account, at GreatShotPod. I know we're not giving away gear right now, but please like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, and a huge thank you again to all of you out there who have already subscribed to Patreon to get those bonus videos that we've been putting on there, get to see some of the interviews you hear as Cracked Rackets Podcast uh, whenever we get to do them in person, those videos on Patreon right away. Uh, so hopefully, and those again, thank you to all of you out there who have contributed. If you haven't, please uh, go give that a look. Uh, every dollar really does count. So and again, thank you to all those who out there supporting us but 
Shout out to the super producers, Max Flinger, Daniel Westoff, for the f- of the editing job they have to do each and every day. Seriously, folks, it's a 24-7 job for Daniel Westoff. I don't know how he, we live together now, and he's got to hear my voice just at all times. It's definitely in his sleep as well, and I don't know how he does it. But for those super producers, Max Flinger, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Diadem and Aerobar, and for all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, folks, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.